Well, good day, everybody. I want to welcome you to this next uh, version, this next session of a podcast, Conversations with Authentic Leaders. And it's my good fortune today to have a good friend and colleague that I have known now for over 30 years, Don Campbell. Now, Don ranches up in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, close to there. And Don and I first met each other back in the 1980s when we sat on a board of directors together called for an organization called Holistic Resource Management. And Don's going to talk a little bit about what that is here in a few minutes. But why I asked Don, and for those of you who have been listening to these podcasts, know that these are conversations with people that I respect, authentic leaders, people who are making a difference in the world by their presence. And I'm interested to hear their story and to get their experience of what does it mean to be authentic and how did they come to be authentic today? What were some of their defining moments and their philosophy and their perspective on life, people that I respect? Now, I've said for years that when you clarify your values and really know what's important in your life, it's good to get a mentor in each of those areas that you value. So if you value, for example, faith, to find a mentor, a spiritual guide. If you value your family, to find a mentor in your family, to to help you with your family, to help you and your contribution to your family. If you value, for example, uh, some aspect of your work, It's good to get a mentor. Well, for those of you who know me, know that one of my core values is strong character and living in alignment with my conscience, a deep knowing of what's right and what's wrong and doing what's right even when you aren't watched and even if you aren't being watched. Now, I have to tell you that Don has been my mentor in the whole area of character for many years. And I have relied on on Don for his wisdom, for his generosity, and for his perspective on life for many years. So, Don, I welcome you, and it's a privilege for me to have you in one of these podcasts and to have a conversation with you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, David, for the introduction, and I'm glad to be here. So, Don... I'll get you to start off, first of all, perhaps telling us a a little bit about your life, about what you've been doing these last 30 years or so, uh, and what holistic management is really all about. Perhaps you could just speak to that uh, first, right off the bat here. Sure, David. I'd love to do that. Um, Like, I was introduced to holistic management in 1985, and I traveled to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, to hear a gentleman speak, Jerry Holtman. Jerry's topic was you can double your grass by how you manage your animals. And I was a young rancher. I was about 40 years old at that time. And, you know, doubling the grass seemed to be very, very appealing to me. So I went and I listened to Jerry, and I was impressed by what he said. I visited with him afterwards. And that's what really launched me on the path that I've been on, well, since 1985. That's almost 35 years now. And holistic management, the basis of it is a decision-making process. So I'm a rancher. I like to put it in real simple terms like a cowboy would understand. Holistic management to me is how to care for your people, 
how to improve your land, and how to make a profit. And if, if you look at the, the world, like the world we live in, if you don't do all three, if you don't look after the people, the land, and the money, it's only a matter of time until you fail. And holistic management is one of the very few processes that says, look, they're all equally important. We can't sacrifice one for the other. We have to build them all. We have to strengthen them all. So on the land side, like and by using the grazing management, uh, we've been able to more than double our production on a set land base. That's like somebody giving us another ranch the same size as the original ranch for free. You can imagine what that does for your bottom line. On the financial side, we've been able to build a profitable business as we shifted our focus from being production orientated to being profit orientated. And then the third, and actually I should have maybe mentioned it first, but the biggest, uh, the most beneficial part of holistic management for me has been the people side. And it was the one I took the longest to catch on to. I was really interested in the grass and after a few years I became interested in the money and a little later became interested in the people. And what I found in my own life, and uh, like my wife and I have done a lot of teaching of holistic management across Western Canada, and in our own lives and in most people that we work with, the people side is the weak, the weakest of the three legs on the stool. So we've worked to strengthen that. And the biggest benefit for me of holistic management has helped me to become a better person and to become a lifelong learner. So if you have any interest in, you know, how to have a better life, I would encourage you to investigate holistic management. Well, thank you for that, Don. And tell me, Don, how did you... Well, let me, let me ask you this. What is your philosophy of leadership? And in your work and understanding this, this integration between your finances, your land, and the people... What, how did you develop or what is your philosophy of leadership and what have you learned about leadership over the years and what does it take to be a good leader and what is leadership? Well, that's a, a difficult question, I think, David, but I'll try my best. Um, like, I think leadership is walking your talk. Like, when I, I've done a lot of teaching work with a lot of people and I never, ever set myself up as an expert I was a rancher with some experience. And as I got older, I was a rancher with more experience. So I think what helped me be effective as a leader is that I really cared about people. Uh, the people side, like I I'm, have a genuine concern for people. I'd like to see them have a better life. I think where we live in Western Canada is probably the best place in the whole world to live. We have every opportunity, every advantage. We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth, and yet we know we're not. So what's lacking there is something missing. And that something missing is having a goal, having values, having a direction in life. So I don't know. My leadership, it just kind of, um, I certainly didn't plan to be a leader. I just, I tried to always lead myself. I tried never to intimidate anybody. And at the same time, I was never intimidated. And like I walked in circles where, you know, I might have been the most prominent, but I didn't try to play that role. And I walked in circles where I've certainly been the least prominent, and I didn't try to play that role. I just tried to play be yourself. And as I was myself, I think people maybe recognized that, and therefore they would respect my opinion.
opinion because it was honest, whether it was what they wanted to hear or not. And uh, like leadership, uh, I've had some wonderful mentors. You know, Don and Betty Green were one of the some of the earliest ones. Yourself, you were a huge mentor in my life. You mentioned about us being on the HM Canada board. Uh, those were very informative years in my life. So it just kind of, you know, developed. And like my leadership talents, most of them have come from the wonderful support and encouragement I've had from different mentors and people who have supported me over the years. But I, I take it from what you're saying, you know, that it's aligned very much with my premise that leadership isn't about a title or a position or about, you know, the size of your office. Leadership is about who you are. And I look to you, Don, as a person who uh, I respect in, the, in terms of your character. And I'm wondering whether you could speak for a few moments about what does it really mean to have character, and how does character inform and impact your capacity to influence people? Well, um, I, I would agree with you, David, that character is essential. And you know, I guess my character was developed like everybody else's over a long period of time. Um, I'm just gonna tell you a story, and I'll try not to take too long on it, but my uh, grandfather, worked in the Metal Lake area in 1925. He was wintering cows for Burns Cattle Company. And he traveled from Duck Lake to Metal Lake, which is probably 300 miles, by team and wagon. Came up in the fall, stayed all winter, went home in the spring. And talking about character and integrity, one year he brought a horse with him to sell, gets to Metal Lake, he sells the horse to a man for $50, keeps the $50 in his wallet till he goes back to Duck Lake, following spring and six months later probably when he goes to pay the man who owns the horse he finds he has two fifty dollar bills and immediately he says well the guy must have given me a hundred dollars by mistake because fifty dollar bills were very very rare so he kept the fifty dollars six months later when he goes back to metal lake he returns it to the man who paid double for the horse that's character in my mind and those are the kind of stories and examples that i grew up with from my dad from my grandfather, and it helped me develop a strong character. Uh, another little quote I might share with you, like, well, when money is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. And when character is lost, all is lost. And I, I used to share that quote with people. I think that's the way my dad lived. He had a small business in Metal Lake. He dealt with a lot of poor people in the 1940s, even into the 50s. And some of those people, like, were penniless, but their character was absolutely solid, solid, solid. And that's the kind of life that I've tried to live. I've tried to live my values. And I've had, like I mentioned again, I've had many, many mentors. Um, i just share one small example. My dad had a brother who was an alcoholic. He came to live in our house when he was, or I was about 15, 16, something like that. And of course, you know, the alcoholic was, had a lot of his own problems, my Uncle Stanley. And my dad would go up and kind of rescue him and bring him down to Metal Lake and help him recover. So I learned a lot about love, and I learned a lot about family. But Uncle Stanley really impressed me, and I guess I was at a vulnerable time in my life. And I read a lot of books about alcoholics and things like that. 
And my understanding is that, you know, if you have the right genetic makeup and you start drinking, you're probably going to become an alcoholic. And the only way not to be an alcoholic is to decide not to drink. So I decided about age 15 that I would not be, I would be a non-drinker. And that made me very strong because as you go through high school and university and even the rest of your life, there's a lot of pressure to drink and conform. And I never, never realized at the time, but looking back, I think the influence of Uncle Stanley and the decision not to drink made me a very strong man. And that helped me live my character the rest of my life, whether it was about honesty or cheating or whatever. I always held my values, and I think that was one of the key indicators where it came from. And then, of course, as I went along, and I mentioned earlier, too, that I've had uh, an awful lot of good mentors over time. And I attribute most of my success, like I feel I'm tremendously successful. Most of it is not due to me. It's due to the mentors and friends who have supported me and helped me become the person I am. You know, Don, I find it fascinating that you would share that experience about your grandfather and the $50. That was a grandfather, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Because my daughter, just last weekend, she's a waitress at a restaurant. Uh, she's This is how she's paid her way through university. And I consider her to be a person of strong character. And she told me the other, just this weekend, that she was working on a shift and uh, a, a customer gave her a $20 tip. And then he went to the restroom because he was on his way out the door. And while he was in the restroom, she was looking at the $20 tip and found out that he had actually given her two 20s by mistake. And, uh, and what she did was she waited till he came out of the restroom and then gave him $20 back. And she said, I think you over-tipped me. I, think, I don't think you meant to give me two twenty dollars and he, th- he thanked her profusely that, in fact, it was his, his error. And I- I'm curious, how do you learn to be a person of, of character like that? I-, I just find it interesting. This is how we influence each other. I always say, you know, leaders impact us not just in the here and now, but in the here and forever. I think of the impact that my parents had on me and the people that I am able to impact today through their wisdom and and how it ripples through generations. And I think the impact you've had on me that I've had, I hope, on my daughters and my grandkids, I wonder how do you – I think it's self-evident, but I'm curious as to how you would answer. How do you transfer – Character. I think you've already said it, that you walk the talk, but maybe you want to say something else about that. How do you actually, because it isn't a skill, it's who you are as a person. And that's what people are drawn to today. As one of my mentors, Jim Rohn, used to say, if, if you want to attract good people, be a person who's attractive. Work harder on yourself than you work on your business and I'm just curious what your thoughts are about how you develop and pass along this character, this ability that we call character. Well, that's a difficult thing, but I, I would say, David, like, you know, we can give our children two things, roots and wings. And character would come under the roots part, 
are the heritage. So it helps so much if you have a family where you can look and say, my grandfather, my uncle, whoever, did something that I can look up to, that I can respect, that I can admire. My heritage says I should be that kind of a person. And like, my mom and dad came to Meadow Lake in 1934, and they, so we've been in this uh, community about 80 years now. And my dad's character was such, just like his, his dad's, guy with the $50 bills, that his checks were always good and his word was always good. So that inspired me to try to do the same, to be a strong character and to have integrity. And hopefully it's inspired my children and my grandchildren in the same way. Now I might just add another little story here quickly. Uh, one of my, be my great-grandfather, I think, my grandmother's husband, uh, father, he was a Hudson Bay rector and he was at Fort Norman in Northwest Territories. And at that time, it was a long time ago, there was hardly any white people up there. You might have been the only white man in the, at the station or at the post. And for some reason, the natives were angry at him. And one of his good friends was a First Nations person. He came in and said, they don't like you up here. They're going to kill you tonight. And the guy said, well, nothing I can do about it. I can't get away. I can't run. There's nowhere to hide. So he just sat in his kitchen. He put his Bible on the table and he got his knife out and a stone. And the First Nations people came in one at a time and he just didn't, nobody said anything. He just started sharpened his knife. And after a while, there's 10 or 15 men in the room. Eventually they got up and they started to leave one at a time. Finally, they were all left and he was left alone. So then the next day he goes to his friend and he says, why didn't they kill me? He said, because you weren't afraid to die. Now, that's another story that helps me build my character. Wow. Thank you, Don. That story comes through, this evident in how you have lived your life and how you have in influenced me. Don, you've really, you've really answered my next question, but... I'm sure you'll have more to say about it. How would you articulate and attribute your leadership presence in the world? What were some defining moments? You've already mentioned a few. There may be others. How does one develop that sense of being able to influence in the way that you have during your lifetime? What are some of your defining moments what are some of the, the experiences that really have made a difference in your life, that have made you who you are? You want to say some things about that? Sure. Um, like, I, I certainly never set out to be a leader. I just, you know, I got involved in holistic management. And what holistic management did, like, when I got involved, I thought I was a successful rancher and I was doing quite well and, you know, marriage was good, et cetera, et cetera. But as I got involved and as I changed and learned and grew as a person, my life became so much better. And it became better in all areas of my life. Like I already mentioned about the amount of the ability to double your grass. You know, that's absolutely huge if you understand agriculture at all. The ability to make a profit, again, that's absolutely huge. But both those pale 
and what happens on the people side. And as I became a better person, everybody around me became better. So my marriage became stronger, family became stronger, I became a better friend, I had more friends. So it was just kind of a natural evolution. And I looked at uh, what holistic management has done for us, and I said, well, you know, like life is absolutely wonderful, and it keeps getting better. Why don't more people feel like this? Because we all know in our society there's all kinds of problems and frustrations and, you know, anxieties. And holistic management helped us grow past that. So I had a real desire to help other people achieve the calmness, the success, the enjoyment that I was getting out of life. So I began to travel, and I started in a very small manner. Like we had what we called a management club, which is a group of people that have taken holistic management together, eight or ten families. So we just started to support each other. And as I did that, and as I had a character that was honest, then people started listening. They started respecting. And then that circle just kept growing. So, like, I had no idea that I would uh, ever do holistic management. In fact, I set a goal when I was, before I came to the ranch, I came to the ranch 1972. And I had set a goal that when I was 55 years old, I would go on and have a third career and kind of separate myself from my business to show that I hadn't come to the ranch just to make a lot of money, but I'd come there as an enjoyable work and a great place to raise a family. So I always thought in the, when I turned 55, I would do something in my church, which is very important to me. But when I got to be 55, I thought the biggest impact I can have on people is not through the church, it's through holistic management, helping them develop their values, develop their goals, develop their families. And that's why I chose to do that. So it became a real mission. And Deb and I have spent now 25 years of traveling together and working to help people have a better life. And it's so rewarding. We have friends, you know, all kinds of friends right across from uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and BC, you know. And we're friends not on a superficial level, but on a deep personal level where they share their values, they share their hopes or aspirations, and we do the same. So it's a very strong community and very, very rewarding for me. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but that's kind of how it's gone. No, that answers my questions very well. Don, what would you like to leave us with today that would say if you were to describe your philosophy, which you already have very eloquently, and you know, I, I always say being authentic, being a person of strong character, exhibiting the virtues that you are talking about today, it's a lot like beauty. You can't really describe it. When you go into a, an art museum and then you come out and you've seen something beautiful and someone says, well, articulate for me, why was that beautiful? You just kind of have to say, well, you know, you just got to go and visit it yourself. You can't really describe it because when you start to articulate it, it actually diminishes the experience. So we're really just... You know, we're pointing at this, but it's really hard to experience it. But you know, when you are in the presence of an authentic person of strong character who leads with their 
with virtues like you do of humility, honesty, integrity, caring. These are the virtues that at the end of our day that will really count in the world. And I'm just curious, Don, if there's anything else that you would like to say to our listeners about what does it take to be a, a good person? What does it take to be a good leader? And I always argue that if you want to be a good leader, it starts with being a good person. It's that simple and it's that complicated. What does that actually mean to you? And what what pearls of wisdom? And I know you're humble enough to probably say, well, it, you know, uh, there are no pearls from me, but I, I promise you that there are. What would you like to leave our reader, our our listeners with today that would that that would really speak to what your philosophy is of life and of leadership? Well, I think, David, what I would like to do is uh, give the people, help them realize they have the power to choose. And that is so fundamental because I think in our society, many people feel trapped, they feel they're victims, they feel life is happening to them. And, and somewhere along this journey in the last 30 years, I realized I have the power to choose, and part of that came from uh, a book by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, and Dr. Frankl was a prisoner in the Nazi prisoner war camps, and he talked about the freedom and the personal growth that he experienced even in those impossible situations. So I would like to encourage everybody, it doesn't matter where you are today, what you've done, how life has been. Today is the sum total of your past decisions. And you have the power to choose to make better decisions. And as you make better decisions, you'll have a better life. It's just that simple. And you can choose things like your attitude. Happiness is a choice. Happiness isn't because the sun is shining or it's raining or whatever. Happiness is an interior choice. Once you realize that, why wouldn't you be happy every day? Choose your words. Take responsibility for your life. Choose to love. Choose to grow. Choose to learn. And I, I learned probably 20 years ago that the biggest thing standing between me and a better life was me. And I suspect for the people listening to this broadcast, it would be the same thing. So if I'm the obstacle in my life, the only way to overcome that is to become a better version of Don Campbell. The only way to do that is through personal growth and lifelong learning. And as you do that, you move on to a better place, but you don't pause there. You only pause, you don't stay there. You again go through the lifelong learning, personal growth, and it's just a continual spiral. And I, I would have to say that, like I'm 74 years old here today as we're speaking. And like each phase of my life was good. I had a wonderful childhood and you know, high school was good and university was great. I had a short career as a veterinarian, that was good. My ranching career was good. I'm more or less stepping out of ranching now, so I'm semi-retired, I guess. But each phase has got better. And not because I could do more, because as time goes on, you can do less. But what you get is you get the benefits of whatever stage you're at, plus all the good memories of all the stages that have gone before. And I can honestly say, that as good as my life has been at each phase, 
it's at its very best phase right now. And it'll be at a better phase again tomorrow. And I might just close with a poem, and I can't quote it, but it's written by Stuart St. John. And it says, basically the bottom line is, today, or excuse me, this year will be the best year of my life because I choose it to be. Now, none of us know what's coming this current year. You know, could be sickness, illness, death, but we can choose our response to what happens. And if we're strong and we choose a response, we can make this year the best year of our life. And if we do that, 2020 will even be a better year. That's the philosophy I would like to live by. You know, it's so interesting, Don, because I remember you saying that 30 years ago. This is the best. <laughs> this is the best year of my life. And and here you. <laughs> it is, but you've you've uh, set the bar high for me. You know, I have to tell you, Don. Best part of my work are the people I meet and the leaders that I learn from. It's an incredible journey that I have been on the last thirty years in this work. And here we have with us today, ladies and gentlemen, a, a, simple, a simple rancher who's made a profound difference in the world. And you know, I don't think we take enough time today to listen to our elders, to listen to those people who have taught us that there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. And you have indeed, you know, passed along some wisdom today and reminded us all of what really matters, Don, in our lives. I, got, I come back to another mentor of mine, Jim Rohn, that I, me that I mentioned earlier, the late Jim Rohn, who used to say, if you want to know where you'll be in five years, notice two things. Notice the people you spend time with and the books that you read. And those people and those, the wisdom that comes through in those two sources will enable you to be the person that you will be and be, be very careful about who you hang out with. And it's been a privilege for me to hang out with you and I continue and I con look forward to continued uh, time with you, Don. Whenever you're down this way, uh, I always welcome an opportunity to spend time with you and I just so appreciate the wisdom that you've passed along to us today. Any last closing words from you? Well, I'd just like to say uh, thank you very much, David, for this opportunity, and I, I hope that my thoughts and words might help somebody else have a better life. Because in Canada, there's nowhere better in the world to live. In fact, I read a, a statement the other day. It says, being born in Canada or living in Canada is like winning the lottery. So each one of us has won the lottery, and, you know, there's all the hype. You're going to win the lottery. Life will be so wonderful. You've already won it. What are you going to do with it? That, I'll leave it at that, and thank you very much, Dave. Well, thank you, Don. You've, t you've uh, imparted great wisdom today. Thank you for making such a difference in my life, and I wish you all the very best.